0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. We're going to get into the word right here. Um, I, You know, the, the title tonight is this, I Heart God's Word. So for some of you people, I love God's word. Now, that's, you know, that may sound like such a, I don't know, a a cliche or generic thing to say or or that. I mean, that's not very deep. Of course, you love God's word. But I'm going to tell you this right now. I found out that there are people that say they love God's word, but they don't actually love God's word. And it pains me to say that, but I know I, I could ask any Christian anywhere in America or anywhere in the world, do you love God's word? Yeah, of course I do. When was the last time you sat down and read it outside of church? I mean, I, I know back in April around Easter I was getting into this devotion, so yeah, uh, uh, about back then. That's not love for something. When you love something, you make time for it. Right? If you love your, I mean, if you love your girlfriend or your boyfriend, you want as much time with them as you can. I remember when Katie and I were dating, I, had to have as much time as I possibly could. I would, you know, I I went to school all day. Uh, we didn't, have, I didn't have a cell phone. A lot of kids did. I didn't have a cell phone. There was no texting yet. So as soon as I got off of school, I, I had basketball practice. Then I had to go to work and fry chicken. And then I got home. If I hustled my hardest, I could get home at 945 at night. OK, and so I would get home and that means she had to be off the phone by 10 and her dad didn't it. So I had 15 minutes of time with my true love. And so I. Did everything all day long from the moment I woke up to go to school to the minute I got off work at night. It was all about how can I get home as quick as possible so I could talk to her. That's what love does, right? And I mean, you all have been there. You're married. You have a lot of you're married, So you've been there, right? And so listen, how could somebody possibly stand there and say, I love the word of God, yet they possibly crack it open once a week at church? That's not love. Don't lie to me, right? How could somebody say they love the Word of God and then, yeah, I open up the Bible after, see what the verse of the day is? I mean, I get it. Let's get real. You like God's Word. It inspires you. It gives you the feels every now and then when you're having a bad day. But that's not love. And so we were at our Tuesday morning prayer meeting yesterday and we were kind of talking just, you know, Jeremy over here, right? We were talking a little bit about... The word of God and how much it's changed our lives and how much it means to us. And it kind of spurred some things within me about Psalm 119. So why don't you flip to Psalm 119? Uh, that's. It is the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119 is the longest. Psalm 117 is the shortest. And Psalm 118 is the middle chapter of the Bible. So those three chapters are all just kind of strangely right there uh, next to each other. But Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. And if you read it, it is all about David's obsession with God's word. Now David didn't just like God's Word, David loved God's Word. It wasn't just something that he did when he was in the mood. It wasn't just something that he kind of, you know, uh, flipped open real quick. David was obsessed. And if you read some of these verses, he says things like, all night long, I lay awake thinking about your commandments. I wake up early in the morning before the sun rises so I can have your decrees. And and, and he calls God's Word a lot of different things as you're looking through there. He calls it God's instructions. He calls it God's God's law, God's commandments, decrees. He even calls it God's righteous regulations, God's word, and a lot of other things. But what it's all referring to is God's word. And so David sat down, and if you actually read the whole thing. Uh, Psalm 119 is in poetry form. It's, it's a poem and about every nine or 10 verses start a new stanza and they're all in Hebrew alphabetical order. And so David put a lot of time into this thing right here. This wasn't just something he jotted down in his iPad notes or whatever, or, or, you know, I've got the back of a piece of junk mail here. Let me just write down a few thoughts about God's word. He sat down and took however long this was to think this through, to pray this through and write this huge poem about his obsession and love for God's word. Think about this. What if we had a nation full of Christians that were as obsessed with God's word as they were YouTube? What if we had a nation full of Christians that were so obsessed with God's word, they were like, no, I can't go out tonight because I just got to have more word. What if we had a a church and a country and a world full of Christians that said no to all these other people and things and they shut the TV off because they just got to have more of God's word? They didn't hear enough of it today. Can you imagine how strong the body of Christ would be right now? I think Jesus would have already come back because we would have reached every tongue, tribe and nation with the gospel. Because when you get the gospel, when you get the good news truly in your heart, you can't keep that to yourself. You can't keep it to yourself. you got to go tell everybody you know the saving power of Jesus Christ. You don't keep it to yourself. And so David writes this whole thing about his love, his passion, his obsession for the word of God. And interestingly enough, David is the only man in the Bible that God calls a man after my own heart. Well, it must be because David was perfect, right? No, no. David wasn't perfect. David committed some serious sins. In fact, if I, you know, if if I were to rank sins, murder and adultery, that, that would be pretty high up there. Right. And David did these things and he covered it up. But guess what? He repented. And he's the only person in scripture that God said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Now, I believe there's a lot of reasons for that, but I know that one of those reasons was David's passion for God's word. He elevated God's word above the popular opinion of his time. He elevated God's word and thought it was more important than what his friends had to say. He thought God's word was more precious and valuable than money. In fact, he says in here, he says, I have found your word, your decrees, your commandments. They're more valuable to me than gold and silver and precious stones. David loved God's word. In fact, these days they'd be like, man, you need to just. Uh, It's good, we get it, but chill out a little bit, okay? You're taking this a little bit too far. You are never taking your love for God's word too far. There will never be a time that God says, man, pump the brakes and go do something else, brother. Go find, you're reading way too much Bible right now. There will never be a time that God says that to you, okay? And so we're going to look tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm being adventurous. Maybe I'm being a little bit, uh, I'm trying too hard, but we're going to look at five things that David said about God's Word in Psalm 119 and, and, and the uh, five different, five different aspects, five things that God's Word did for David. It does for me and it'll do for you too. Now there's a lot more, but hey, I didn't have time for, for everything that he said in there. All right. So let's go. In prayer, and then we're going to get into the word of God tonight. And my desire is that some people will get stirred up and start getting that passion back for God's word. Who loves the Bible? Wake me up when you get some passion, okay? But who loves God's righteous decrees? Who loves the word of God? Come on, man. This is exciting stuff, and so let's pray, and we're gonna look at five things right here, okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you tonight, and we are gonna open up our Bibles, we're gonna open up your holy word, and Lord, I pray that it'll speak to us, and Lord, I say right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, that you are gonna stir some hearts tonight, Lord. We're gonna get that passion back that we once had, and Lord, maybe we've just never been able to get into it, maybe we've never had that passion, but we've liked the idea of having that passion. we're going to get it tonight, God, in the name of Jesus. And we're going to start taking your word seriously right now. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. So the first thing, there we go. get the young and saying amen. I like that. Number one is this. Things about God's word that I love. Number one, it gives me joy. It gives me joy. And so Psalm 119, we're going to look at the first couple of verses here. But I don't see how you can... I, I never read God's word and walk away. Man, man, that was a real downer. Gosh, I feel worse than I did before I did. Never, ever. Psalm 119 verses 1 and 2. It says joyful. Somebody say joyful. Joyful are the people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. What are the instructions? It's his word. Verse 2. Joyful. Somebody say joyful. Joyful are those who obey his laws or his word and search for him with all their hearts. And so if I had to be totally honest, I would say right now, without fear of contradiction, that God's word gives me joy. I feel better when I read it. It pumps me up. I know some people, they gotta listen to some hardcore music. They gotta down some energy drinks. And I decided a while back, man, Jesus is my new energy drink. I'm not making fun of anybody that needs anything else, but I'm saying this. Jesus is, is my energy drink. He's better than rock star and monster and everything else. Jesus, if I will open up the living water right here. Jesus Christ, man. I get all the energy, all the joy, all the strength that I can possibly muster. It's the word of God. In fact, Hebrews tells us it's alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And so this isn't just some books. There's a lot of great books out there. But this is a living documents. This is the living will and word of God himself. So the gospel, it absolutely brings me joy. And in the midst of the crazy world that we live in right now, and we could all agree that it's a little bit different than it used to be, it is absolutely key and pivotal that you take time for God's word because I know there ain't a person in this room or listening to my voice right now. There is not one person that doesn't take time to find out what the news is at least once a day or once a week. I know that much. Okay. And so I'm telling you right now, you have got to make an absolute effort, absolute priority of spending time in God's Word because the news and the people around you, they're gonna bring you down and it says right here that God's Word gives you joy. Can somebody say amen to that? Does God's Word give you joy? And, and so that's the gospel that Jesus loves us enough to send His Son to send His Word into this world. The Word became flesh to come down and bail all of us out of our mess. This is the gospel message. And and so, in fact, if we were looking in the New Testament, the Greek word from which the English word gospel was translated literally means a good message or good news. But studying this out, I find out that there was a lot of Greek words for good message, good news, cheerful word or whatever. But this word gospel in the Greek, this was not a common word. It was a very obscure word. In fact, a Only two other I saw one scholar say he's only found two other times in Greek literature that used this word gospel because because this word is such an extravagant, such an almost exaggerated word the, the more literal meaning of gospel would be the nearly too good to be true news. And so, people didn't use it that much. It was, that was like super califragilistic It's like, I've, I've heard of that word, but we don't actually use that in day-to-day speech. But, The literal gospel is the nearly too good to be true news. And when you think about it before and and it predates the the, it predates the the, the scriptures, they Greek people. It was a, a known word before then. But it was such a we don't we just don't use that word because it's like such a such an extravagant word. I mean, nobody takes it seriously. But then the Christians come along and they're telling people, listen, I have got a gospel message for you. Are you sure you a, a gospel a whopper of a message? Uh an extravagant, nearly unbelievable. You you've really got that. Yeah. There was this perfect guy. He came to the world and he was literally the son of God and he came down here and died and paid the price for your sins. Really? Yeah, 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 really. I mean, that sounds nearly too good to be true, right? And so this one perfect person came and died for every scoundrel, every thief, every robber, every bad person, and he paid the price for their sins so they could in turn go to heaven. He traded his life for theirs. The perfect person traded his life and his perfection for all the bad people and their sin. And that's nearly a mind-blowing concept when you think about it. But that's the gospel message. It's nearly too good to be true. And so... When we're reading the Scriptures, when we're reading the Gospel, you need to get excited and realize, man, this is so incredible. This is, I mean, this is uh, this is uh, out of this world good news that he became poor so I could become rich. He took sickness upon his body and by his stripes I am healed. I wish somebody would get excited in Barstow tonight and not stare at me like they're asleep. Listen, this is the gospel. This is the good news, the message of Jesus Christ, that I don't have to go to hell. I don't have to be broken, miserable, and barely hope that my kids can have school closed this year. That Jesus came and made a way for me to live a better life. Not only in heaven, but on earth. He said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus wants me to have some heaven on earth. Thank you for your holy silence. Let's look at point number two tonight. Reasons I love God's word. Number one, it gives me joy. Number two, it helps me to not sin. It helps me not, I mean, I'm not stretching any of this. I'm just, I just went through Psalm 119 and started jotting stuff down. In fact, I mean, I've I've written in my Bible all throughout Psalm 119, the different things that David said about God's word. So this is a very easy message to write because it's all right there. But Psalm 119 verse 11, I'm talking about how God's word can help you to not sin. David says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that i might not sin against you i have hidden your word in my heart that i might not sin against you notice he didn't say i have tried super duper hard so that i might not sin against you Well, I mean, that's a, you know, sure, whatever. Or he didn't even say, I've prayed super hard until there's holes in the carpet and holes in my, in my jeans, knees that I might not sin against you. He didn't even say that. He said, I have taken the word of God and got it so deep into my heart that I might not sin against you and I know plenty of people that they're, they're struggling, man. They're like, man, brother, the, 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 the struggle is real. The battle's hard. The battle's hard. We're, we're in the midst of it. And, and people say all this stuff and I'm like, honestly, what are you talking about? Sure, there's battles. I'm fully aware of that. Sure, there's struggles in this word, in this world. But if you, if you are immersed in the word of God, do you realize how much smoother the fight gets i didn't say there's no fight i didn't say there's no struggle that comes but i'm telling you right now if you've been immersed in the word of god if you've been pumping that in all the time you're so much more prepared when sin comes knocking at the door because a verse instantly comes to your mind wait a minute no way no absolutely not i'm not going to do that and, and, and that's what Jesus did when Satan came to test him out in the desert. Satan throws all these things out against him. And Jesus keeps saying, no, no, it is written, thou shalt not test the Lord your God. It is written that, that you shall not worship. There's only one God. You shall not worship any other God. And Jesus keeps answering with the word. And so I will tell you right now from the Bible and from experience That it is a whole lot easier to combat sin and overcome it if you have got the Word of God hidden in your heart. You will not begin to conquer sin until you begin to get more Word in you than you have more TV. You will not begin to overcome sin until you begin to get more word in you than you do Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and TikTok and everything else you're wasting your time on. And, and, and it's a good thought. It's a beautiful thought. I mean, wouldn't it be so nice if I could just have all these promises of God's word and, and just, you know, donate 15 seconds of my day to it? It doesn't work that way. You need to be responsible enough to take God's holy written word. Seriously, do you realize how many people have died so you could have this in your language? Do you realize the men and women that got burned tied to a stake because they translated this and then hid copies and did one page here and one. page? people gave their lives to get this to us all the way in 2020. And people are still dying to get the word of God out. That's incredible, and yet some people they don't even care. They, I mean, they say they do, but they don't. So many people, that this people, they they gave their all so you could have the written word of God right now in your life. And we're like, I know, man, I've got 20 Bibles on the shelf. This is America. I've got 65 different translations, and we don't even care. That's something to think about. This right here is the only. Hook, the only thing that you have that's gonna help you overcome sin. Prayer's awesome, that's a component of it. Worship's awesome, that's a component of it. But you are not gonna overcome without the Word of God. And that's the absolute truth right there. And so I think it's pretty lazy of somebody to take 15 seconds a day and, and just Pray, Lord, dump it all on me. Give me the power to overcome. Give me the, give me the, you know, the financial blessing, the health. Lord, just pour it all on me. Jesus' name, amen. And never take the time to dig in here and see what God, that's a pretty lazy thing to do right there. When God says, man, I want to bless you, I've got all the answers right there. My word will be a lamp to your feet, a light to guide your path. Just open it up. It's all right there, and you'll find the answers that you need. Look at verse 9, Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. How relevant is that verse when the majority of the male population is addicted to pornography? Oh, am I not allowed to talk about that because it's church right now? I I'll talk about that. Listen. So many men, and apparently some women, but mainly men, have pornography issues, and especially younger men. What's it say right here? How can a young person stay pure? By trying their absolute hardest? No. How can a young person, how can a young man, a young woman stay pure? How do they do it? By obeying your word. That's powerful right there. And if we could get that message to more of our young people. Think of the difference that that could make right there. Let's look at verse 61, man. Verse 61. Who's having a good time studying Psalm 119? Love it. Psalm 119, verse 61. I'm going to be in Psalm 119 all night except for my very last verse. Psalm 119, verse 61. David said... Evil people try to drag me into sin, but I am firmly anchored to your instructions. Think about that. We all have people that, especially, I mean, you've got friends, and there's some friends that you probably shouldn't be, you know, hanging out with that much anymore. But anyway, that's another topic. So David says, evil people try to drag me into sin, but I am firmly anchored to your instructions i imagine this man i i i I am tied to this bible and people are tugging at me but no i'm not letting go of the word of god and people everywhere are trying to drag you into sin but i'm not having it because i am firmly anchored to your instructions to the word of god amen can you seek and can anybody testify and witness that the word helped you overcome some sin issues? No doubt about it. Number three, so I can keep moving forward. Number three, something else I love about the word. It gives me wisdom. So I know some people that are a whiz. I know some people that are just dumb. But when you get into the word of God, you get wisdom. And this is this is a powerful promise from god's word to you psalm 119 and verse 24 psalm 119 verse 24 because i people all the time i just i don't know what to do i have no idea i've researched i've studied well that's good research and study will give you knowledge but what you need is wisdom and wisdom and knowledge are not the same thing contrary to popular belief so many people think man that guy's brilliant Straight-A suited. He is so wise, but there's a lot of smart people that are not wise people. There's a difference between being knowledgeable and having wisdom. Psalm 119, verse 24, David said, Your laws, your word, pleases me. It, that Your laws please me. They give me wise advice. Anybody, show of hands, you've ever received wise advice from the Word of God. Like, When sinners entice thee, consent thou not. That's pretty wise advice from the Proverbs right there. But there's so much wise advice right there. If we would just open it up, the wisdom is all pouring right out of the Bible. It's right there. And so David said, your word, your laws please me. They give me wise advice. The definition of wisdom is keen insight into life. And the ways of dealing with its problems. Who would like to have keen insight into life? Keen insight into the ways of dealing with its problems. And so, as I said, uh, there's a lot of very intelligent people. They apparently aren't wise. You see somebody like, man, this guy's incredible. He's got a Ph.D. from Harvard. He's got this, this, and this. But he's on his 16th marriage. Not a wise person. I mean, I'm just, you know, uh, the, this guy, he he's brilliant. He he found out exactly which stocks to invest in. And now he's a billionaire by the age of 29. But this over here. And you're like, man, a smart guy, but dumb. No wisdom there. And, and so don't confuse somebody being intelligent with somebody having the wisdom that comes from God's word. Let's look at verse 98. Psalm 119 verse 98 and and to just realize the monumental advantage that we have in this world simply by having the written word of god it's almost unfair to everybody around us psalm 119 verse 98 it says your commands your word make me wiser than my enemies who would like to be wiser than their enemies I mean, I don't want to have enemies, but I don't consider anybody my enemy. But if they want to be my enemy, I'm going to be wiser than them. Right. So it says your word, your commands, it makes me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. Your word is a constant guide in my life. And so I was thinking this is all beautiful wisdom and and promises right here from the Psalms Put this into the New Testament for you right here. You not only have the written Word of God sitting in front of you right now, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. In John fourteen, fifteen, and 16, it tells us that the Holy Spirit will be your advocate. He will be your counselor. He will tell you of things to come. He will show you things in your life that, that are happening before they ever even happen. Think about this incredible gift and advantage that you have. You've got the written word of God. And if you'll listen, you've got the Holy Spirit whispering things in your ear all the time. No, don't go this way. Go that way. No, this looks good, but trust me, there's something bad's going to happen. Say no to that right there or give this person another chance. And the Holy Spirit, if we'll listen, is telling us things all the time and we've got him living on the inside of us. If that doesn't bring you just a little bit of excitement, I don't know what your deal is. You've got the written word of God. The Holy Spirit of God right there in your life every single day. Look at verse 99. Verses 99 and 100 of Psalm 119. David said, yes, I have more insight than my teachers. Think about that. For I am always thinking of your laws. I am even wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. Now this is, I mean that's stepping out right there. He says, I am wiser than my teachers? And that goes against even the grain of our day. Like, well no, you don't want to say that boy, they're old. And, 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 and there is, it's natural for us to think that just somebody is older in age that they've got wisdom. In most cases, that is true. Right? I mean, Eventually, most people that are older have at least learned some things. But I will tell you this right now. I've met a lot of older fools. Right, well, I know that, that Bible stuff. You know, no, 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 don't, don't even go there. They're some of the most brilliant people of our age. They're 80-year-old atheists, right? They don't have any wisdom. They don't have anything that I want to hear. And so it is... It's a delicate line, but David said, I've got more wisdom than my elders. Like That sounds like an arrogant thing to say, but it's true. And why did he have more wisdom than his elders? For I have kept your commandments. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I mean, that, that's making Jesus... Listen, listen right here. I would rather take a four-year-old from our nursery right now that fears God and take their advice than an 80 year old that does not obey God's commandments. Yeah, but he's 80. I mean, he's lived through all this. That's fine. I respect that. But I would rather listen to a, a, to a child that fears God and at least has enough decency to keep his commands at an early, I would rather listen to that all day long than some old fool telling me why this isn't relevant and why this doesn't really work. Because in their experience, right? Anybody that's going to elevate their experience over the word of God, I don't want to listen to what they have to say. And I come across this all the time. I Man, listen, brother, I know the scriptures say this, but I'm just going to tell you, in my experience, it didn't happen. It didn't work. It didn't come through. And I know it says that, but in my situation, in my experience, and I don't know what to tell you, man. I'm sorry for you, but I'm not Gotta listen to somebody that's so arrogant to say that their opinion and their experience holds more weight than the holy written word of God. I can't go there. Now, I'm sorry that that happened to you. I'm sure there's some reason somewhere I'm not going to pretend to be God. I'm not going to speculate on why that turned out that way for you. But it is the height of arrogance to say that your experience and your situation outweighs the word of God. Something to ponder for my friends there tonight, okay? So it gives me wisdom The fourth thing is this I mean, I just love this about the word of God. It encourages and comforts me. Who's ever received encouragement from the word? Who's ever received comfort from God's word? All right. So Psalm 119 verse 28, David says this. I weep with sorrow, encourage me by telling me that I'm good enough, I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me. Encourage me, Lord, by giving me a... No, he said, I weep with sorrow right now. Encourage me by your word. If I'm having a down day, don't come up and try to give me a motivational speech. Give me the word of God. If I was weeping with sorrow i don 't want you to come in and try to build me up and say well it's okay uh, 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 you just think about this and about that and the sun'll come out tomorrow the sun'll come out tomorrow you can bet your bo- you can bet your bottom dollar. I need the word of God right now. Give me some scripture, man don't try to pump me up any other way and so David had the sense to say, man what i 'm weeping with sorrow, encourage me with the word of God. And so look at verse 143. I'm, I'm going to try to I got to get to verse five to, to point number five, because it's so awesome. But verse 143. But every person in here could use this verse. Psalm 119. Verse 143. David said, as pressure and stress bear down on me. I find joy in your commands. Think about it. Have you ever had pressure and stress bearing down on you? You ever had, like, where you had to make decisions where your decisions were going to affect other people's lives, where you've got kids now, and so it's not the same as when you were single, but now you've got other people. And you've got pressure and stress trying to bear down on you. What did David say that he did? He said, I find joy in your commands. And so I'm telling you right now, when you when you're in the pressure cooker, when you're in the instant pot and it's starting to steam out the top a little bit, you need to get to God's commands. You need to get to his word and and you will find joy in his commands. And I'm telling you, it works. It absolutely works. I'm living proof of it. That there is joy in his commands. And I can tell you this much that I don't ever, I don't ever want to be the the Christian that, well, things are going good, so I back off of the word. There's already plenty of people filling that spot, so we're good there. But I don't ever want to be the guy that, you know, man, this, we're good. I just got a raise. Kids are doing good in school. Economy's great. This is going on. I don't see why we gotta take, I, let's just, let's just back off a little bit. Now people won't say that with their words. I don't know anybody that really will, but I know thousands of people that'll say that with their actions. And so, yeah, let's, yeah, I mean, seriously, like, church every week? Twice a week? Three 3 times, that's, that's uh, 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 the Bible, like, seriously, uh, every day? And, and, and re- really? And they won't say it with their mouth, but their actions say it for them so their mouth doesn't have to say it. I don't ever want to be that guy. I want to be so tight and so obsessed with the Word of God that good and bad, sun and rain, whatever, I am clinging to God's Word. And I'll tell you this much, if, if those trouble, if, if the storm comes, you better bet that I'm clinging just as tight, if not tighter, than I ever have before. I remember one of the hardest moments of life, uh, when I was 15, our church praise and worship leader died very unexpectedly, very, very close person to our family. Uh, father of five, just a very bad situation. One, I mean, no one saw it coming, but it's one of the most horrific things I've ever experienced in my life. And as a fifteen year old kid I, I i didn't know i didn't have all the answers I still don't but i didn't then and i and, and and i but I knew this much the answer was right here: I took God's word so serious I went to bed at night with a Bible under my arm well, that sounds a little i mean what 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 did that do? I didn't know where else to turn except to Jesus. So I read it when I was awake. I slept with it when I went to bed at night because all I knew was this. When pressure and stress and anxiety and depression and trouble come bearing down on me, your word gives me joy. Your righteous decrees. Your commands, your law, your word, it lifts me up, it comforts me, it gives me peace and joy. And so I don't know any other way. I'll, I'll read it, I'll speak it, I'll listen to it, I'll even sleep with it tucked under my arm at night, but I am not letting go of God's holy written word. Amen? And so number five tonight is this, things that I love about God's word, and you could. I mean, dig into Psalm 119, find yourself some more, but number five, it brings me peace. Anybody in this room that likes peace tonight? Is there anybody that, okay. About 70% does, that's good, that's, I mean, that's good. But we, everybody wants peace. People go to great lengths to try to get peace, but what they don't realize is the only way to really get peace is Jesus Christ Himself. And it's all right here in the Word of God. People think that money will give them peace. It's a lie. They think that that special someone will bring them peace. That's a lie. They think that if their political party controlled things, they'd finally have peace. It's a lie. There's only one way to have peace. And that's Jesus Christ. And how do I, how do I find out more about the Word of god psalm 119 verse 165 psalm 119 verse 165 and in the, in the nlt it says those who love your instructions your word have great peace and do not stumble somebody say great peace i mean just peace itself would be nice mediocre peace okay that's okay whatever but great peace to those who love God's instructions. In the King James, I like it even better, it says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Now, I realize it's almost 8 o'clock, so I'm going to try to bring the plane in for a landing here. But let me say this. If you're someone that gets offended all the time, I'm not even stretching it. I'm not even stepping out on a limb to say you're probably not a real serious word person. Put your rocks down. Let's talk about this, okay? Listen, somebody that that is always offended, always assumes everybody's talking about them, they have trouble on every job they ever work. They have trouble with every family member. They have trouble every church they go to. I'm telling you right now, that is not possibly somebody that loves God's Word and His instructions or His law or whatever we're going to call it right here because... David said, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. We live in a very offended culture and world right now where, I mean, anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of public opinion. They will roast you. They will tag you. They will berate you. They will comment you. They will track you down and shut your business down because they don't agree and you offended them on something from... High school 25 years ago where you didn't do what they wanted you to do. I mean, it's insane. But there is not a chance on God's green earth that somebody that loves God's word acts like that. There's people that may, I'm a Christian, I, I, and, but, but they don't love, you don't act like that when you love the word of God. For one, you have great peace so you don't lay awake thinking about all the things to be offended about tomorrow. And for two, You love God's law, so you don't get offended. It says nothing shall offend them. That's a big statement right there. But I take the word seriously and literally, if it says nothing shall offend them, nothing's going to offend them. My last verse for tonight, Isaiah 26, 3. Isaiah 26, verse 3. And Isaiah 26 is a fire chapter, man. Isaiah 26 is just, it is... It's the real deal, man. It is an awesome, awesome, awesome chapter. Isaiah 26. And verse 3. And it tells us this right here. You will keep in perfect peace. Wait a minute. I just heard about great peace. But you mean to tell me there's something called perfect peace? So you can have peace. You can have. Great peace. And then Isaiah takes it a step further and says, perfect peace. I'm like, sold, whatever, I will, I'm going for the perfect peace. That's what I want right there. It says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. How do you possibly keep your thoughts fixed on God? Your thoughts are fixed on the Word of God. Right? Think about this. If my thought, if I'm just walking, if I'm on the job, if I'm just on work thinking about, man, God loves me so much. Wow. He sent his only begotten son to die for me. He said he would supply all my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. He said, oh, my goodness. He said, greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. Then a co-worker comes by and burps. You know, does something, says a word you don't like. So your coworker comes by and does something offensive. My mind is so wrapped up and fixed on God. I'm not offended. They didn't even disturb my peace because I live in perfect peace when my thoughts are fixed on him. Well, my thoughts are fixed on him and I don't have perfect peace. You're a liar. Thank you, Audley. I'm going to right now. Listen, there is no way that you can say my thoughts are fixed on him, but I don't have perfect peace. That's a lie. Either you're lying or God's words lying. And I choose you. Because it says right here that they that keep their thoughts fixed on him, they're going to have perfect peace. There's times that I don't have perfect peace. But I, I'll be honest, it's the times that my thoughts aren't actually fixed on him. I'm thinking about the stupid things in this world. I'm thinking about other things. But there is never a time that I don't have perfect, wonderful peace that my thoughts are not fixed on him. And unless, some people tease me. And, and I, it's funny, but you, you just skip through a field of daisies. You're like always like, why, why do you wake up like that? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I just wake up. Get a cup of coffee, get my Bible out, and me and Jesus, we have a good old time every single morning. I can't help but be happy and joyful and feel like I'm running through a field of daisies and there's a unicorn and, I mean, it, it just sounds crazy, but I love my life. I'm a, a very, I'm not, I'm not trying to toot my own, I'm just, I'm a very happy person. I love life. Love it. Why? Because I do my best to keep my thoughts fixed on Him. I love His Word. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm not saying, look at me, but I'm just telling you, I can testify to the things that we've read tonight that they are true, that when I spend time right here, I'm happy. I've got joy. I've got peace. I'm encouraged. I'm lifted up. I stay away from sin. I do all these things when I am plugged into God's Word and the times that I feel myself backing off Those things, they start knocking at the door again. Hey, remember me? You still there? No, I'm not there anymore. I'm getting back into the word of God. And so what I'm trying to encourage you with tonight is this. I will give you my personal guarantee for whatever that's worth to you. Maybe not much, but I will give you my personal guarantee that if you will love God's word, if you will make God's word a priority in your life, if you will cut other things out and, and put God's word in their place, you are going to start seeing a level of peace that you have never even known. You are going to start seeing a level of joy that you never thought possible. You'll see healing for your body. So it says words are health to all their flesh. You'll start seeing all sorts of promises of God pop up in your life. They're like, my gosh, what's going on here? It's because you made the word A priority. And so, if that did something for you tonight, I hope it did, because I'm feeling pretty good right now. I'm I'm good. I feel great. That's the Word of God. And one tool that you need in your arsenal is perfect peace in this end times craziness. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.